0: father of the faith in our nation, and it is a real honour and privilege to have you here with us, sir, and uh, to to minister to us. And so, church, I encourage you today to really lean into what God has for us, for what God has given uh, Pastor Danny to share with us, and would you put your hands together and welcome him up to come and preach. Good morning, good morning, please be seated. What an honour and privilege to be with you guys. It's like family to me. And uh, last week was my first flight after two or three years because I've been in and out of hospital. It's the first time I got on a plane. Went to New Zealand to be with Pastor Paul Deong. Uh, I work part-time for one of his campuses in Adelaide. And we need to pray for him. He's got stage four cancer. And uh, watching him stand and chair the meetings and honour Jesus was just so inspiring, and to sit with him on the Saturday and go through our stories of going through cancer, because four years ago I was diagnosed, as some of you may know, with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer, and then uh, ended up with a viral infection that they couldn't deal with, and so had to go on lots of uh, infusions, and they told me I'd be on infusions for the rest of my life, and two Thursdays ago I went for an infusion, and they said, we've got good news, this is your last one. And so how good's that, Great. And uh, sharing with Pastor Paul our experiences last Saturday of God's amazing peace in, you know, um, 2016, many of you know our son went to be with the Lord, he was killed by a lightning strike, Chris, at the age of 39, Uh, shook our lives and I still walk with a limp today and I live with those emotions of joy and pain because his eldest is nearly 21 now. He was 14 when his dad went to heaven and he's on uh, Pastor David Hall's team and uh, we get together and share notes on what God is downloading to him and one day he said to me, I don't know if I'm called to be doing this nono, calls me nono, uh, he goes, I don't know if I'm supposed to be doing this just because my dad did it. And I said, well, do you wake up in the night? Do you get thoughts? Do you write them down? He goes, I do. I said, have you got them on your phone? He goes, yeah. I said, show me one. So he opens up his phone and literally shows me the identical thing I'd written the day before on my phone. (laughs) And I said, I think there's something there. (laughs) Um, But, you know, um, his dad won't be at his wedding. All those firsts that you think about, all my grandkids bar one are now driving and... uh, you think dad wasn't there, you know. And so 216 was a very, very painful year for us. But now it's still painful living with that. But I live with a limp. I walk with a limp. But in 216, we lost him. In 217, I was diagnosed with bowel cancer. And we got through that. And it happened to be a benign tumour, so we got through that. And in 218, I got diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Now I remember the day when the doctors came in and called my wife in four years ago and said, look, it's not good after 24 units of blood, transfusion after transfusion. They said, we're not sure if we're going to be able to get there. You need to get your house in order. And so I'm there in the room of the hospital and I'm tears running down my face and my wife said, are you okay? Are you scared? I said, you know, Sharon, I can't describe to you, but I've got this peace I can't describe. I said, there's a peace inside of me. I just cannot describe what I'm feeling right now. And as a charismatic Pentecostal, whichever way you want to call it, we always talk about the presence of God. But you know what? The word changed for me. And in my room, I felt that God was present. Same thing, but I just had a different feel. I just felt like he was with me. I couldn't touch him. I couldn't see him. I couldn't feel him. But he was there. I knew he was there. Next morning, a nurse walks in. She says, what's the aura in this room? i got a Bible next to me. And she goes, you don't still believe in that, do you? She'd heard some of my story. You don't still believe in that? I said, have you ever heard of the resurrection? She goes, oh, the Easter story? I said, yeah, let me tell you about another life and started to talk to her about eternity and tears welled up in her eyes and she goes, I'm glad you're telling me that because if you told me that life down here is always going to be perfect, I would have punched you. (laughs) She said, my husband passed away. Sorry, my husband left me and my brother passed away with cancer last year. My life sucks right now you can tell me that, that there's something better. I said, well, I live from eternity. And I began to explain what that meant. And she came in the next day. She goes, I haven't forgotten what you've been telling me. And she goes, can I give you a hug? And comes and hugs me. Now, I'm telling you that for this reason. I didn't have a pulpit. But my purpose was in full swing. See... When we walk with God, there's guaranteed peace. There's guarantee he'll be present, but our purpose never leaves us. I went from a time of, it was weeks and weeks in hospital, of just being in hospital and then getting a phone call from Pastor Tark Barna in New Zealand. He goes, Danny, I know you're in hospital, but you couldn't record a sermon for us, could you? (laughs) And I said, Well, I've only got my pajamas. So I got my wife to bring me some clothes and we we went into the chapel, just me and a cameraman. As I started speaking into the camera with an empty room, empty chairs, the anointing hits me and I start prophesying. The guy on the camera starts bawling and there's only the two of us. And God in one ear is saying, your purpose doesn't leave you just because you're sick. But listen to what happened. The very next day, the Christchurch massacre happened in Christchurch, New Zealand. I get a phone call from Pastor Tark. He said, the conference has been cancelled. Can you imagine what I'm thinking? I just put together a message. I felt it was from God. I'm prophesying down the camera, and now it's all cancelled. And I thought, gee, the will of God's never A, B, C, D, is it? A J K N O P. And I was confused because I thought, if I didn't hear from God about what I said, then I've never heard from God and I'm deluded. Six weeks went by. I just gave it over to God. I get a phone call from Pastor Tart. He goes, we've decided to go back to Christchurch and run the conference for the pastors in Christchurch and we're going to show your video for the first session. What I prophesied down the camera was speaking into that massacre before it happened. I'm talking about stuff hitting the city, stuff coming unexpected. I'm prophesying down the camera that the storms are coming, but God is going to pull you through and the stuff that I said wouldn't have meant much. Pre what happened and post it made a lot of sense. And I realise that the greatest act of faith in my life during my cancer journey... Is to trust, just to trust God. I trust him in the midst of all the confusion. I meet every um, Friday with about six or seven business people in our city that are not Christians. They sit there and pump me with questions while we're having lunch and they go, God is a God of love, why did your son get killed? If this, if that. You know what I've come to? I said, I will never have all the answers in life. Never. But I tell you what, I know the ones I do have. Can I give you the five answers I do have? And as I share them and read the scriptures to them, I go, when my son died, I went to God in prayer and I said, God, I don't even know where to start reading the Bible. I got no idea what to do, but he was 39 years old. So God, I'm going to go to Psalm 39. I hope you don't mind. Because that was his age and maybe there's something in that psalm that'll give me some clarity. I go to Psalm 39 verse 4, Lord show me how short my life will be. My life is but a breath to you. And the whole journey that we've just been through is right there in Psalm 39. I got on my knees and I said, God I trust you. It still hurts but I trust you. And so what I want to do this morning just for a few minutes is do two little bits. The first bit I want to share with you prophetically what I believe God's doing right now in the kingdom. Because what's, the way we as Christians have handled the pandemic is quite disappointing, quite disappointing. At a time when the light of Jesus could shine so bright in the darkness, there's been division between believers, jab or no jab, and no spirit of reconciliation in trying to deal with those things. And I believe one of the callings God's put on my life is to be a granddad. In fact, the church that I work with part-time, I have to start every time I preach with a dad joke. Because now at my age, dad jokes. I think, I hope I'm worth more than dad jokes. If I don't have a dad joke, they bring me a cup of coffee with a dad joke on it. (laughs) And I have to read it out in church. Last week was, how do you get the attention of a country girl? A tractor. So I come up with all those. I shared the one about the... I took my car to the uh, to the uh, mechanic and I said, this car is spluttering. It's making all this noise out the back. The engine's not running properly. The car sounds terrible. He said, yes, sir, you've got coronavirus. So... Oh. Oh. <laughs> See, they get worse. They get really bad. What was I talking about? So I think I'm... The Lord's asked me in the season of my life to see prophetically into the, what God wants to do with the body of Christ. And I want to just share with you that at the time of COVID, when it first started, the Holy Spirit, you, you judge it this morning, I need you to. The Bible tells us to judge what is taught. There's so many conspiracy theories out there. There's so many things and we don't have a Bible to judge it by because we take scripture out of context and make the Bible say anything we want. And this is a very serious time because there are seven false prophets in the New Testament that I have found that are speaking right now loudly into the planet. When I talk to non-Christians, they go, are these the last days? I said, well, I can show you what's prophesied that's coming. And I can show you whether there's been more than one last days. We're certainly living in these last days. And I share scripture with them and they go, wow, we didn't know that was in the Bible. But at the beginning of the pandemic, the Holy Spirit, I believe, showed me this that with the pandemic, there'd be church leavers, that people would leave the church by the droves because most of their Christianity was not done personally, it was done through the church. But if we only do our Christianity through the church, we become churchians. But Christians do Christ through the church. There's a big difference. We do Christ first. And he goes, there's going to be church leavers, but then there's going to be church cleavers. People that are going to want to go back to everything exactly the way it was. But then there's a new army of Christ followers and Christ seekers. Christ followers are Christians that are waking up saying, God, I want to serve you. God, I want to live for you. I want a revelation of you. Tonight I'm going to speak about the two parts of us. Reason and revelation. Revelation. 90% 90% of Western Christians live predominantly in reason and don't live by the revelation they can get every day by God. When my son died, reason was not going to carry me. But the revelation of God that was really my life carried me. I'm going to share my own testimony tonight of when I went and saw a doctor about my own personality. Showed me all my good bits and I thought, oh, that's good. Then he showed me all my bad bits. And I go, oh, that's not so good. And my, I said to my wife, is that true? She goes, Yeah. He could have been a little bit more supportive, but. He said, You're just like Peter in the Bible. Overpromise and underdeliver. Oh, that's me. So we'll talk about that one tonight. So, what was I talking about? Christ followers. God is raising up. See, if you can't walk with Jesus personally, you'll never walk with church purposely. Hear that. I don't serve the church, I serve Jesus. But I serve him through the church. So when the church hurts me, Jesus doesn't. So I'm still there. And so what I want to bring to you today as a thought to encourage you is the best days for the church are ahead of us. We are going to see the church that Jesus always wanted emerge to the forefront. So all this language about deconstruction, resetting, There's truth in it, but we're only deconstructing the things we can't take to the next level. But God is building his church. He's not smashing it. He's not pulling it apart. So if I was to give a title to my message today is I believe in the God of the hereafter. He's here after the mess. He's here after COVID. He's here after all the things that disappoint us. Even with my son's death, he's here with me today. I've prayed with thousands of people that have lost their children. Do I wish my son was still here? Absolutely. But I see God's grace in his children. Four of them that have not won walked away from Jesus and they love Jesus more than ever and they're following the Jesus their dad followed because God's been gracious in the pain because we're all leaving this planet. And so I want to encourage you today that in 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, verse 10, In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you've suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. The God of the hereafter, he is here after the challenges. After Joseph spends a long time in prison, he becomes the prime minister of Egypt after Job experienced much suffering and loss God restores blessing and favor back to his life hang on a minute he didn't get his first 10 kids back that he lost so he didn't recover everything that he'd lost but he gets a new beginning and he gets a new blessing in his life that with a limp he can still walk and he can still serve God even though we go through stuff I'm finding I'm reaching more people for Christ now than ever because of our brokenness. You see, two years ago, my son, Michael, who was uh, working at a church, doing really well, God wakes him and his wife up in the middle of the night and says, walk out of serving, working paid by the church and go and start a charity for broken people in Port Adelaide and work with the Indigenous Australians, people living on the streets. That was uh, just under two years ago. He's feeding 2,000 people a week. He's been given a warehouse by someone who's paying the lease for seven years on that warehouse. The owner of the warehouse comes in to check out what's going on in the warehouse because there was a leak in the roof. And she walks in and goes, what are you doing with my warehouse? He tells her and he goes, what's your name? Michael Guglielmucci. Oh no, my husband grew up with your dad. Your dad used to stay in our home every Friday night as a kid. Take my warehouse and use it for God. Please use it for God rings me up a couple of weeks ago and he says, Dad, we're $100,000 short for council approval to be able to put uh, portable toilets and and, and shower pods and and they've got a a, a, a clothing store and and they've got a supermarket in there to feed these people. I said, let's pray. We prayed. Two days later, I get a knock on the door. A man who I've only met twice in my life when I preached at a church he attends says, God's told me to come here and writes me a cheque for $100,000. <laughs> I get him on the phone. I said, I want you to meet my son. He's coming this Friday for the first time to see what he's invested in. Wow. And I would take all morning to tell you the miracles today. So good. But this Friday, we're doing our first funeral wow. of an Aboriginal lady who walked in four weeks ago with her children. And she said, I never knew that you people would love us like this. I came here during the week for clothing and you overwhelmed me with your love. And she goes, I want to come and join your Christian community. Because wow. every Friday night, what we do is every Friday night, we have a meal at 6.30 with Christians and, and the people from the community off the streets, living under bridges, people on drugs. And they just walk in, they bring their dogs with them. They bring. Their, I mean, it's, this is different, I'm telling you. I've totally gone off my notes, but we'll get there in a minute. And uh, <laughs> I just want to tell you the story. <laughs> Because when you mentioned Monday night, it just sparked something in me that I needed to tell you the story. I need to tell you the story because of here. And so Friday night, 6.30, we have a meal. Then at 7.30, we have worship. And then we preach for about 10, 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes at the most. And then we pack 300 lunches for the local school. So you've got people off the streets on drugs packing lunches. <laughs> finding purpose. now the police, the local schools... The prison house are all calling light. If you want to go online, it's called Lighthouse City Mission. You'll see it all. So she walks in three or four weeks ago, then came with the Friday night meeting. She sends me a text and she's going, coming for food, I never realised I'd find Christ. Wow. A couple of days later, she died. We're doing the funeral on Friday. She left, she knew she was dying, we didn't know. She was very ill and she left behind that her funeral would be held They'd have the, uh, the tribal service that they do from the tribe and then she wanted a Christian celebration at the warehouse. We're doing it this Friday. I want to tell you God is doing something awesome and while people are running around arguing over stuff, Jesus is raising up an army of Christ followers and Christ seekers because <laughs> he's here after all that stuff. And I, I just, I'm tempted to tell you more stories but I can't. But he's the God after the pain. I went through, I've got to tell you a couple more. After cancer, <laughs> and then I'll pull it all together just to make sure we've got a, some points, okay? You know, so, so I'm in hospital. I get a phone call from Zurich, and a friend of mine called Leo Bigger is putting on a conference of 4,000 young people predominantly. Uh, it's a general conference, but mainly young people. He said, We really feel God's called you to come. I said, Well, I'm not sure if I'm going to be out of hospital in time. My wife goes, You're not doing that. You're too sick. You can't. I said, let me pray. And I prayed, and I really felt I needed to go. And she's going, You can't do that yet. I said, Just, it's two days. Yeah, she says, But it's Zurich. <laughs> anyway, to cut a long story short, I got on the plane. Contrary to my wife, I don't normally go against it, but I just, she knows me and she knew that I really had a conviction. While I'm flying to Zurich, the worship pastor who's going to lead worship at the conference dies. I don't know this is happening. I'm flying. I land in Zurich and they meet me at the airport and they go, now we know why you're here. You lost your son. We lost our worship pastor. She was 35. She died while you were flying here. We've never had to address the subject of grief and pain and loss. Can you not speak on what you were going to speak on and just teach us how to handle our pain and our grief? You see, after the pain, we can use our tears to be refreshing for those that come after us, a river of refreshing. We prayed for hundreds and, and, and I went straight to hospital. I'd get an infusion and come back and preach the next day. I got back to Australia and one of my friends in Sydney rings back and goes, you're an idiot. He goes, you know, if God wanted you to really do that, he would have healed you. And I go, uh, I don't know. Next day I'm reading my devotions. I'm in the book of Galatians and Paul says to the Galatians, I'm glad you didn't reject me when I came to you and I was sick and I brought you the good news. How does good news and sick live together? See, we think good news is always everything going well for us. Now, good news is he's God all the time. And after the pain does come the purpose. After the pain does come the pressure, not the pressure, the pleasure of serving Jesus. And so I believe with all my heart, friends, that after Joseph becomes prime minister, he changes his world. A woman caught in adultery, she... Gets promised wholeness after her brokenness. After Ezekiel stands before a valley of dry bones, we see a great army stand up. You know, after life, there is eternity. The God of the afterlife. And for me, I am so glad today. Corona or not Corona. How does John on the Isle of Patmos in the book of Revelation say he's in the spirit on the Lord's day? I didn't go to church for nine months because I was so sick, but I did my own commentary on the book of Acts. Why? Because God still shows up, whatever room we're in, when if we can't get to something, when we choose to stay home. You see, one of the things that really upsets me about this whole season we're in is that Christians go, I'm not going to go back to church anymore. I'm talking to pastors that are burning out because they can't get volunteers. I'm I'm talking to leaders that have had enough. We can't find leaders for churches because it's not that inviting anymore. Remember praying and Jesus said, I'll build my church. I'm just not building yours. But he will build his church. And I'm seeing an army emerge right now of teenagers. I'm doing youth camps again and I don't even have hair. (laughs) I'm trying to catch up with Joe, but look at that beard. I could never have one as good as that. And I'm doing youth camps because teenagers are hungry. They don't want the fake anymore. They want the authentic. They want the real. They want the honest. And so it was 17 years ago. I'm in Melbourne because part of my ministry is for God to show me what's happening in the wider body so that we can repair, not attack, so that we can build and move forward. God doesn't doesn't hurt He doesn't shake to hurt. He shakes to heal. And so it was 17 years ago. I'm in Melbourne, preaching at an apostolic conference. And while I was in prayer in my room, God says there are seven shakings coming to the earth in the church. Well, in those days, I just wanted to preach the revelation the minute I got it. It wasn't even half cooked and I'm already preaching it because it's out there. I want to get it out there. And people didn't quite get it. But now, all these years later, it makes a lot more sense. And he took me to Hebrews chapter 13 and he showed me seven shakings and I'll read them to you now. I'm just going to, I've taken time on other things so I'll miss out some stuff. In Hebrews 12, 28, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. Did you hear that? It's unshakable. Let us be thankful and please God by worshipping him with holy fear and awe. And I remember reading that and I said to the Lord, but what are you shaking? Because only a few days before, I'd read another New Testament passage of Scripture where Jesus goes into the temple with a whip and he cleans out the temple. And I said to God, if you were to come to us, what would you clean out? Three words came into my head. Personal agendas, polluted motives and perverted mission. Because when our agendas, I've got to build my kingdom. You know, I've got to build my church. Numbers, bottoms on seats, all that kind of stuff. I thank God Pastor Mark and Nina are not like that. I'm so grateful. I love those guys. I love this church. I'm preaching to the converted this morning. But I want to amen what you already carry as your culture. I said, what are you shaking, God? If you, if you were going to shake, and these are the seven shakings. I won't preach on them long. Number one, he said Christian friendships. Wow. Hebrews 13 verse 1, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. We are not united because we choose to be. We're united because we're born again. And Ephesians 4 tells us to preserve the unity of of God, not create it. We're We're supposed to preserve what God's given us. And we have unity because we're brothers and sisters. But today we've got to rewrite all the old hymns. Oh, for Jesus, I'm offended. (laughs) People get offended so easily now. And there isn't a fidelity in relationships. And I remember a guy called Mark Rutland many years ago when your pastor was only in my youth group. He was only a kid. And Mark Rutland got up at Paradise Church and he said, there's witchcraft coming to the body of Christ. And I go, well, gee, that's a bit strong. (laughs) He said, it's called Friendships that manipulate, dominate and intimidate. He said they are the descriptions of what it means to control people. And I've seen it over so many years. There are advantages in getting older because you remember things, you see things. And I've seen Christian friendships. I'm working with churches where entire groups get up and leave. Where all the anti-vaxxers get up and leave and the vaxxers and all this kind of stuff. And we don't have a God that can pull us together and get some sense on this. Because we're all fighting for our own rights and our own beliefs. Because we're listening to podcasts. We're listening to stuff but we're not hearing God for ourselves. And I thank God through this whole cancer journey and the whole pandemic journey that I've been able to maintain my friendships because I believe you're my partner. I'm your partner in the gospel. We are partners in the gospel. In the book of Philippians, Paul starts to address two ladies that are fighting with each other and says, you two ladies, sort it out because eternity's at stake. You love God and you do a great job. So sort this out because it's our eternal hope. Oh man, if the church was to understand this. And so God is shaking friendships. He's also shaking focus. It says in verse 2, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entered, entertained angels without realizing it. Remember those in prison. If you were there yourself, remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. I remember God saying to me, The church is going to rise up in the future and have a heart for the broken. And the focus is not going to be inward for the church, it's going to be outward. And it's not going to be measured just by the many meetings we have, but it's going to be by the broken that we heal. And I was coming out of an operation at the hospital, and as I was coming out, of I said to the nurse, please get my phone. I need to write something down. And she goes, you can't. You're in intensive care. And I wrote this in my phone. I urged her to get it for me. And God's telling me, I have no grace for carnality. I've only got grace for broken humanity. And right there, God said to me, the church that's pretended to have it all together is not real. But the church that is broken but open, that's really hey, I'm broken, tonight I'm going to share some of my brokenness I'm going to lay it all out there but I'm not doing it to show off or to be self-serving I'm saying hey listen God is attracted to our brokenness he's not put away by the fact that life sucks sometimes and we don't always react properly it's how we respond in humility and hunger to come back and say God I'm broken and if, without you I used to tell our church all the time church I'm one decision away from becoming a total idiot one decision And so God is changing the focus. And when I heard about Monday night, something jumped inside of me. It's not a program of this church. It's a purpose of this church. And I'm so grateful. That's fantastic. God is... Third shaking is fidelity. Now, it's talking about marriage. But when God showed me the scripture, because I'm doing a lot of marriage counseling at the moment, every Tuesday, I do six marriage counseling sessions and uh, around that, not always six, but around that, and there's some pretty heavy-duty stuff going on in so-called Christian marriages. But God wants to heal. And, but what got me through this scripture was the fidelity to God, our marriage to Him. It's like we have one-night stands with Jesus, and then we go off and have friends with benefits. I mean, I don't want to be rude, but I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful to the God who put a dream in my heart that I can have eternity for reality I can have it for real in my life and I, I want to be faithful. I don't want to be hopping around because where do you go? Yeah. Or are you Christians, you're just brainwashed. I said, absolutely, but I choose who washes my brains. The rest of the world, <laughs> what's happened to you guys? Okay. <laughs> Woke culture, cancel culture. I think my sugar levels are playing up. <laughs> <laughs> I can always tell where my sugar levels are playing up. I didn't take my injection this morning and I'm all over the shop. Please forgive me. But if you think it's good, blame the anointing. Okay. <laughs> fidelity. So fidelity has being shaken. Our finances are being shaken. I mean, there I am comfortably serving the church and God says to me, give up the church. I go, not now. The church is going great. I could have given it up a few years ago without driving me nuts. But now, God, the church is going really good. I don't want to give it up. And he goes, it's time for the next generation. Each generation must declare anew to the next generation what God is doing. And I'm going, Psalm 78. He starts speaking to me. So I'm driving down the road. God says, now. I ring up my younger pastor and I said, it's done. I'm handing the church over to you. He goes, no, not now. I said, no, no, it's now. And I thought God was going to be so happy with me. I thought he going to say, you're such a nicer boy. I like you too much. And then a year later, he goes, give up your salary. Oh, God, that's not fair. I'm, I'm now heading to my 60s, you know. I'm, how am I going to pay the bills? And he goes, no, you've got to live by faith. Get back to where you started. When you started in the ministry, you stepped out in faith. I want you to do it again and show a new generation how it's done. I told my wife, she goes, no, I think that's the devil. But anyway. We... <laughs> so I go to a conference that I couldn't afford to go to, but my wife said, I feel God wants you to go. I go to this conference, I get sick. I can't get to the meetings. So I thought I'll go and hang around in the foyer and say hello to people. Couldn't talk properly, I had laryngitis, but but I I thought I'll stick in a corner of the foyer. And I'm in this corner of the foyer of the conference and a couple come up to me, she's in a wheelchair, husband, goes, oh, you preached at our church a while back. We often hear you speak when when you do come to Tasmania. God woke my wife and I up in the middle of the night and said that we need to get on board with your ministry. It's not much, but we're going to give you 10 grand a year. We go, flip. Ten minutes later, a pastor from Melbourne finds me in the foyer. He goes, I'm only here for a day at the conference and I was hoping I'd bump into you. And here you are. He goes, God's spoken to me. I need to give you 10 grand a year for your ministry. <laughs> Five minutes later, somebody else comes up with his wife. He goes, I didn't know you were here at the conference. I said, Yeah. He goes, Oh, Goog, called me Goog. He said, Goog? My wife and I are going to give you ten grand a year for your ministry. For God's business. I thought to myself, I'm going to stay here all day. <laughs> <laughs> you might going to stay here all day. <laughs> but it stopped after that. <laughs> it's still happening today where God's raised up different people to support what we do so we can go to the little guy, we can go to the little churches that can't afford us. God said, I want you to be a father. I want you to be a granddad. And I want to tell you, after all those decisions that you feel you've lost a son, you've gone through cancer, that, that was later, but you've given up your church, then you lose a son, then you go through cancer, you think, what next? And yet God never shakes anything in our life to hurt us. He shakes to heal us. He shakes our finances. Listen to this. Don't love money, but be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. What can mere people do to me? And so God so showed me that. And I, I was so, I, you know, he said to me, seek first the kingdom of God doesn't mean God puts you last. Seek first the kingdom of God. Do you think God puts you last? And God has taken care of us and taken care of us. We've got enough. Prosperity for me is having enough to do the will of God. And we've got enough to do the will of God. God is looking. And it's funny, when you get to my age, you're getting rid of stuff. You're scaling down, you know. And uh, God's been so good. The next one is our fellowship. number five. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that's come from their lives and follow their example of their faith, not their fashion, their faith. Fashion's good, but Faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We take that scripture out of context. We put it on our walls and go, Jesus Christ. Yeah, but he's also forever changing. You've got to interpret scripture with scripture. What does he mean by this verse? He's going, you need to follow good leadership. You need to follow people that teach the word, not their information, the word of God, that show you the ways of God, that mentor. One of the greatest words in the world right now is mentorship, that people are looking for mentorship. That's why young people are asking me to do youth camps. They're looking for dads. They're looking for granddads. They're looking for people that can show how to live because you've lived it. And he goes, this principle never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. So people that go and do their own thing at home, if you're at home because you have to be, we understand that. But to to detach yourself from the body of Christ when our gifts are given to us for the body of Christ. And when we need people that mentor us and help us so that they keep us on track. I say to every pastor I talk to, who can say no to you? Because if nobody can say no to you as a pastor, how dare you ask your people to say yes to you? I've got people in my life that can say, Daddy, don't do that. No, that's the wrong time. Why? Because I need to be mentored. We all need to be people that understand this principle never changes. We're not meant to do God in isolation. We're meant to do it in relation. And God is cleaning all that up and people are leaving the church to never come back. Some of them are going to keep going around looking for the right programs. But there's a new army rising up that are going to be Christ followers. And like the new Christians in the book of Acts say, what must we do? Not do it out of have to, but do it out of love to and want to. And then the last one, I think it was we're up to, fellowship. faith will be shaken. And uh, I won't read all the verses, and our function will be shaken. And I want to say this today. See, our faith, for this world is not our permanent home. Verse 14, we are looking forward to a home yet to come. If there was no eternity, I don't think I'd be doing what I'm doing. I'm grateful for eternity, and that's why I live for him down here. And so when I started to think about this, our function, verse 21, may he equip you with all that you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. May he equip you for doing his will. Every Christian is called. What I'm about to say is offensive, but I don't want it to be. If you're saved and never want to serve, I have to question whether you're really saved. Because if you're saved, you're going to want to serve. It's not have to. Can you imagine me marrying Sharon 47 years ago, I did? You know? She hasn't spoken to me for the last three years. She didn't want to interrupt me. But anyway... Um, <laughs> before we were married, she spoke, I listened. And as soon as we got married, I spoke, she listened. We've been married 47 years. We both speak and the neighbours listen. But anyway... Um, <laughs> well, what was I talking about? Um, Yeah, if I said to Sharon, Sharon, I love you. You know I love you, but I'm not going to come and visit you every day. I'm going to live somewhere else and I'll pop in once a month and say hello. (laughs) Oh, that'll be lovely, darling. (laughs) Although knowing Sharon, she'd probably welcome that. But anyway, (laughs) but we do that to Jesus. You know, we used to have a little book called Every Day with Jesus. Mm. I'm going to print one called Every Now and Then with Jesus. (laughs) And then the next edition will be Once in a Blue Moon with Jesus. But (laughs) no... (laughs) I'm not trying to be rude, but I'm just... I, I can't live without him every day in my life. And, and, and I want to tell you, when you have that walk with Jesus, whatever happens in church world, we become proactive in fixing it rather than being someone that attacks it. But I close with this today. Can the musicians please come? Because I've done my time. You've distracted me. The first service I was more disciplined but this one here. You, you do? Oh, good. Here we go again. Oh, yeah. So... This is what I wrote the other day after I saw these seven shakings all those years ago. God shakes friendships so we build biblical unity. He shakes our focus so we have clarity. He shakes our fidelity so we give loyalty. He shakes our finances so we have integrity. He shakes our fellowship so we have accountability. He shakes our faith so our eyes are on eternity. And he shakes our function because it teaches us responsibility. And when I saw that, I thought, God doesn't shake because he's mad. He shakes because he wants to mend. He doesn't shake to hurt. He shakes to heal. So I'm going to close with this today, which I didn't share at the other service. And God showed me three eras, and I close with this. When I was growing up as a kid, I grew up in what we call legalism. You have to obey the law. You've got to dress a certain way. I grew up in an Italian church, and we weren't allowed to grow beards. So all the Italian ladies got shaved, but anyway. Oh, no, 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 who said that? Don't tell Nina, don't tell Nina, don't you? You weren't allowed to grow beers. All these rules and I've really messed it up now. Legalism that comes from law. But then in the 70s, we came up with license. License, a liberty that became license. We called it grace, but it soon became disgrace. And that's why we've ended up with celebrity cultures, people sleeping around and then preaching the next Sunday because they said sorry, but never went on a journey of restoration. And so we went from legalism to license. And I cried my eyes out a few weeks ago. God says, post-pandemic, I'm raising a new generation of love and lordship, which is the best definition I can give you for holiness. Holiness is not a set of rules. I love him and he's my Lord and i'm not working a day all these volunteers that go on tv saying we were abused we're in that church and they overused us well who are you serving if you're serving jesus before you serve the church then you can lead yourself if you are being abused but i've never ever seen serving jesus as a time thing i gave 20 hours this week i gave 50 hours no i love him he's my lord I don't want legalism. My dad brought me up in that and I hate it. But I don't want liberalism where anything goes and we end up with a false gospel. But love and lordship, I can do my whole life like that. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, today, even though this has gone a little different, I just I do sense in my heart that what you're saying here is because you care about everything that's happening here right now. And that, Lord, you say different things in different places because you're so passionately in love with us. And you want us to get hold of what you're saying. I thank you, Lord, for what's going to happen here on Monday night. I can't shake it out of my mind because, Lord, it's not just a little community service. It's the church in action, being the church in the darkness. Father, I pray that this church will have so many stories to tell of your redeeming power in people's lives. I thank you, Jesus. I really do. I thank You for Emerge Church. I thank You for the healthy foundations. I thank You for the healthy leaders that only want the best for people. But Father, I pray that we won't be church leavers or church cleavers, but that we'll become Christ followers and Christ seekers and that people will walk in off the street and find Christ here because of the reality of what's going on, the authenticity of what's going on. You are the God of the afterlife. You're the God of the hereafter. You are here. After all the confusion in our world, we can still be clarity to our world. You're here after the pain. While every head's bowed and every eye closed this morning, very quickly, I've gone a little over, so I'm going to stop. But there's people in this room, and you're going through painful situations right now. I don't even need a word of knowledge for that. But what you're going through, and you've had this week the sense you've actually used these words. When's it going to stop? When's it going to stop? I want to promise you it will. If you surrender, if you surrender to God, He's not going to hurt you. He's going to heal you. And there's life after the pain. If that's you, I'd like you to slip up your hand across the room. I'll see it so I can pray for you. You can put it straight down again. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. I appreciate your honesty, family. Thank you. God bless you. Father, today, even for those of us that may not have raised our hand, but we're raising our hearts to you. Father, we're sick of doing church for the sake of church but we want to do you Christ in your church and today I pray for every hand that's been raised if you really are the God of the hereafter and you've proved that to me over and over again do it for my brothers and sisters I pray let this week testimonies come forth father take away oh wow Holy Spirit's just dropped into my mind that many of you need your joy back you've lost joy with all the stuff that's happening in our world. Father, I pray that you'll restore joy today. Restore the joy of the Lord that becomes our strength. May us leave here with hope and faith and trust today because you are awesome. You are real. You are God. And you're our God. Thank you for this awesome church. And I pray that testimonies will flow because of the God that's hereafter. Amen. (laughs)